Hey guys and girls, welcome, welcome to, to Single to Sealed. Sealed. I'm Jerry, your host, and here with me is my co-host and wife, Brianna. As members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we have dedicated this podcast to helping fellow Christians navigate the treacherous waters of dating all the way to the winding roads of marriage. All are welcome in our podcast family, and we are so excited to have you here with us. Be sure to subscribe, follow, or favorite. Let's talk. Hello, podcast family. We are so stoked about today's episode, and the reason for that is because we have an amazing guest host joining us today. Jerry, would you like to introduce our guest? I would. Today, we are being joined by Greg Threadgold. He is here today to talk with us about dating and anxiety and depression. So he's an expert in these topics, having dealt with both himself and now working as a life coach for many others to guide and help them in their similar battles. He's an award-winning photographer, certified life coach, and a sought-after speaker with an international best-selling author to the book The Depression Miracle. Greg has been married for 33 years, has four sons, three grandchildren, and we're excited to have him with us. So thanks for your support and tuning in, and we're going to pass it over to Greg. Yeah, Greg, we would love if you could tell us a little bit more about your story to start us off. Yeah, well, first off, uh, thank you for having me on your podcast. Um, yeah, I uh, I became an expert in mental health and uh, anxiety and depression by being someone who had it. Um, I have I had uh, severe anxiety. I had paranoia, and I was bipolar from the age of seven to the age of fifty. So for forty three years, I don't know if your listeners have done anything for sixteen thousand days in a row, but I have. <laughs> um, awesome. So, your listeners, um, if they have panic attacks or they have depression and that loneliness, I understand that. I've mm-hmm. had hundreds of thousands of panic attacks. Yeah. In, in my life, um, but I was able through. Uh, what I talk about in, in the book that I wrote, I found seven keys through my journey that put me and the readers in a position to receive a miracle. Mm-hmm. And I, re- I received my miracle, not one, but two, uh, about nine years ago when uh, I was able to fully beat my mental illness. Mm-hmm. And uh, it has been an amazing uh, last nine years, I can tell you that. Um, and my kids and my wife would tell you that they enjoy new dad much more than they enjoyed old dad. <laughs> yeah, I have a question on uh, on how you described fully beat. And what what does it mean to fully beat a mental illness? Um, well, I I had what you would call um, what's called the last resort. I had, um, over those years, I'd had 23 different therapists. I'd had 45 different medications. Um, I'd been in four mental hospitals. I had tried to take my life three different times. And the last resort um, I was sent to when I was had given up hope of ever um, receiving uh, that blessing of not having to deal with it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I received a medical miracle through a medical procedure 
which um, worked. And um, actually, I, I had what's called ECT, which is electronic or electric therapy. Um, it's shock treatment mm -hmm. is what they call it. Um, I had that at the University of Utah uh, over a 13-week period. And towards the end of it, and when I was done, it was a miracle. My depression was gone. My, wow. I, I've had four panic attacts in the last nine years. That, that's that's pretty amazing. I, I don't, I can't comprehend how that would feel for you. Mm -hmm. It, it was amazing. And the second quick miracle that I had, because suddenly I was happy. Yeah. I didn't know what happy was. I hadn't been happy since I was six years old. Mm -hmm. And. I was like an empty book. They they call ECT, they call it rebooting your brain. So it's like getting a new hard drive and it's empty. Yeah, I had to re learn to reduce some things. Um, actually, my testimony was gone of the church. Wow. Um, I did have side effects where I've lost about eight to 10 years of my life that I don't remember. Mm -hmm. But... The second miracle came about six months after um, I had my treatments is uh, being a photographer. I uh, received a phone call from, I was a fashion photographer. I received a phone call from a 16-year-old girl that said, I saw your work on the internet. I love it, and I want you to do my portfolio. I said, okay, um, bring your mom with you because you're only 16. And I set mm -hmm. an appointment and didn't think a thing about it. It was like 10 days later. Well, I'd been in search of a book on Amazon on fear, and I couldn't find the right book with fear because I was I was afraid yeah. of, of this new happiness. And mm -hmm. I found this book, and it seemed to fit, and I downloaded the digital copy, which I hate digital books, but I wanted to read it very quickly. And I stayed up all night reading this book, and and... The next morning, the model walked in with her mom, and I said, oh, yeah, you can do your portfolio today. I said, go unpack your stuff and, and get changed and ready. I asked her mom, I said, what do you do for a living? She said, I'm a life coach. And oh, I wow. said, "I said, what the heck is a life coach? I have no idea what that is. And she explained it. And I said, wow, that sounds amazing. I said, it sounds like it's pretty expensive. And she said, well, I'm sure this portfolio is pretty expensive. And they were within about $50 of each other. So okay. we decided we decided to trade. And we just bartered our time mm -hmm. and our teachings. And what she taught me as a life coach, and she's still my life coach today, nine years later, was filled in everything that was missing in my mm -hmm. life. And it brought clarity into my life. And it was just an absolute miracle because there's no way she and I ever would have met. She says, well, the, the most exciting thing is I just got my book published on Amazon. I said, what's the name of your book? And it was the book that I had open on my computer that I just finished. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it's kind of like a minute. <laughs> Yep. And and we knew that it, it was meant to be. So I don't 
promote ECT as the miracle for everybody. Mm-hmm. I do know other people that's worked for. I know people that I've helped that it doesn't didn't work for. Yeah. But I put together these steps in the book of how to find a miracle. I don't know what your miracle is or what your listeners' miracle could be. Could be a medication, could be thought therapy, could be ECT, could be a life coach, could be a lot of different things. Yeah. But I know the steps to put you in position to receive a miracle and either know how to control your anxiety and depression or Mm -hmm. in some cases have it taken away. Well, thank you. I I think that was a pretty solid you know, introduction to you. And I definitely feel like I know you a lot better myself. Yeah. And uh, again, you know, Brianna and I um, personally haven't dealt with a lot of anxiety you know, and depression in our lives. And so you know, for us to talk about this topic just didn't feel like something we could really do. Yeah. And so we definitely need someone with, you know, your experience to be able to hopefully touch some of the hearts of our, of our listeners and maybe provide some answers. So yeah. today we do have some of those questions that some of our listeners have asked and uh, we've sent you a couple and uh, we're ready to talk about those. Are you ready? Yeah, I am ready to go. Perfect. So the first question that we have, it didn't come from a listener. It was more from ourselves. We were just curious, what tools and resources are there really out there for young adults and for youth with anxiety and depression? Where can they go for this help and, and, to help them cope with with these struggles they're having, um, I I look at that as now today mm-hmm. 2020. There's a lot more information and help than there was when I was trying to do this. Oh, I'm sure. Um, and I think it's understanding that everybody has some anxiety and some depression in their life. Mm-hmm. It says almost everybody will have a, a depressed episode. Yeah. Um, and some are worse than others. Uh-huh. The best tool that is out there for those listening is themselves. Okay. Um, they have the power within them to deal with this. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a bully anxiety is just an emotion that's Mm -hmm. all it is it's just an emotion and there are the greatest book i found on mental health and dealing with it are the scriptures Mm -hmm. i've been told and i've been taught that the answer to every single question we could have in our life is in the scriptures yes um there are so many websites and the warning i would put on a website is make sure it's a credible website Mm -hmm. there are so many um there's the anxiety society of america there's national depression groups Mm -hmm. there there's books there's videos there's youtube that has experts in the field talking about this there are some amazing facebook groups and again, look for a credible Facebook group. Yeah. Um, you know, I have a Facebook group called uh, Eliminate Your Stress and Find Success. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a private, safe, positive place for people to go. Yeah. And this and is your group. This is my group on Facebook. Yeah. Okay. Um, and now, oh, sorry. Go ahead. 
no. And so there's, it's understanding and getting as much knowledge as you can. Now, the one thing uh, that's getting better, but is still a, a great uh, thing to go after and a great source to go after uh, is your bishop, mm -hmm. your branch president. They don't get a lot of training on mental health. Yeah. Um, they get a lot more than they used to. Yeah. And I would get frustrated sometimes with my dear bishops because they would just tell me to be happy. Yeah. Just be happy. Sing a hymn. Just be happy. And I said, if it was that easy, don't you think I'd do that? Mm -hmm. But they're inspired men. And they're the ones that would lead me to the scriptures. Mm -hmm. They would give me priesthood blessings. I don't know how many, dozens and dozens and dozens of priesthood blessings I had. Uh, sometimes just to get through the week. And they're getting more training and they're getting more help. But they're a great source of love and support. Yeah. And they know in the world that we live in now that you're not alone. That they talk to mm -hmm. a lot of people that have these things. Um, yeah. You know, and just real quick, you're part of an amazing group of people that have these things that they have to deal with, mm -hmm. anxiety and depression. And once I found out I was part of this amazing group, I went, it's pretty cool. And let me just real quick, these are people that dealt with mental illness mm -hmm. uh, challenges. Abraham Lincoln. Beethoven, Michelangelo, Michael Phelps, Charles wow. Dickens, Donny Osmond, Thomas Edison, Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, Daniel Radcliffe, Winston Churchill, Harrison Ford, Ernest Hemingway, Mark Twain, Jim Carrey, George Washington, Oprah Winfrey, Will Smith, yeah. Steve Young, BYU Hall of Famer. And I went, if these people did it, and achieved some of the greatest in whatever they were in. Yeah. They were the best in the world and the best in history, they, not because they had it, but in spite of having it. Yeah. And they, and I thought, yeah. I'm part of a really cool group that God really does give his greatest challenges to his strongest children. Yes. I never thought that I would uh, quote this, <laughs> but there's in a song with, by Kanye West, he talks about being bipolar, and he calls it his superpower. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I've I've always the first time I heard it, I was like, man, what a statement! What a statement to call something like that your superpower. Mm -hmm. And then I think that kind of invites you to to think in your mind like why that would be, because at first at first impression, that's that's not what you would think. You think it's your disability. You think it's your your setback. You know, yeah. For him to say that like that. You know, really opened my eyes actually to a different version of mental illness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, you know, I, I get asked in interviews all the time, and for a long time I didn't want this question because I didn't know what the answer was going to be. Mm -hmm. Is if you had to do it all over again, would you? And I didn't know what my answer was going to be. It was eighty percent of my life. Yeah. And I immediately said, absolutely. Yeah, I wouldn't change a thing because I had to go through everything I went through to put me in the position 
as a life coach the last six years to find my purpose and the reason I was born Mm -hmm. was to do what I'm doing right now. Yeah. And I had to do that to be able to sit in front of a client and go, I know exactly how you feel. You're not alone. Mm -hmm. Which is a very powerful tool, having that empathy and being able to really empathize with the people you're working with. You can truly say that you understand. It's almost, it's almost something that feels, you know, not to be too, I guess, over dramatic, but something that the savior can also say to us, right? But you have the opportunity to say that to other people that are struggling, that you know exactly how it feels to struggle with these things because you struggled with it for so much, so, so long. Well, because people don't understand it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, I, I think most people would agree that you want help from someone who has endured what you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Well, the biggest people that helped me in my getting better and holding on and surviving was not my doctors. They did great things. They kept me alive. But the people that made the difference in my life were people who had been there, lived it, and beat it. They understood what I was going through. That makes total sense. Yeah. All right. So we're going to move on to our next question. Uh And that is, why are there so many people who struggle with, with anxiety and depression? especially those within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. As I prepared for this, a large, probably 70% of my clients that I've had are in this age group. Newly married, dating, college students, a lot of college students. And I think the reason that I've seen, because I see it consistently in every uh, member of the church, yeah. Is there's a scripture in Matthew five forty eight that says, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your father in heaven, which is in heaven, is perfect. Mm-hmm. And the problem is that that scripture gets taken out of context. Yeah. And we don't research other scriptures on the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so this perfectionist mindset destroys lives mm-hmm. it absolutely does i have um, because if you you think of the word perfect it is complete it is finished mm-hmm. and it is fully developed yeah that doesn't happen when you're in your early 20s doesn't happen when you're in your early 80s <laughs> doesn't happen in this lifetime it doesn't happen in this lifetime we cannot yeah. be perfect in this lifetime if if you go from that scripture and you read Doctrine and Covenant sixty seven thirteen, it says we are not able to abide the presence of God now, neither mm-hmm. the ministering of angels. Wherefore continue in patience until ye are perfected. Yep. So one of the firesides I put together and got to do a couple times before COVID hit was we need to slow down trying to become perfect. Mm-hmm. We are in such a hurry. The easiest way I can explain it, which I think the listeners can uh, relate to and say, boy, that's me, is if you remember how we get graded in school, it's A, B, C, D, and F. 
Well, what a perfectionist does is they get rid of the B, the C, and the D. Mm-hmm. And they rate their day on either an A or an F. Yeah. And the goal for the day when they wake up every morning is I have to do everything perfect today. Mm-hmm. And I have to fix everybody's problems I come in contact with. Yep. And I tell them even the Savior doesn't fix everybody's problems all in one day. Mm-hmm. And so when they go to bed at night, they get an F every day. Yeah. There's no such thing as getting an A because they can't do everything perfectly. Yep. And so they just beat themselves up. Their inner critic says that they're worthless and they're not any good. You know, Elder Holland, one of our favorites, said, if we persevere, there's some, then somewhere in eternity, our refinement will be finished and complete. Somewhere in eternity, it'll be finished and complete. You know, I, so, I personally have has developed this concept of, you know, what does it mean for someone to do their best? I feel like it's similar to that. I think people always say, I'll do my best. You know, but I think it's very rare that we can give 100% to give our complete best in things. Well, because if we did our best in everything, then we would be the best at everything. But yeah, and really give everything, and that's all we're asked to do. Elder Holland also says that you just do the best you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why I think do the best you can kind of goes with your point of be there for perfect. Because even though he says that, we still it's the same concept, but people understand it when you say the best you can instead of be perfect. That's how I feel sometimes. Because you know we're we have two kids, and sometimes at the end of the day, I just look at my day and I'm like, wow. I'm a horrible mom (laughs) and I really beat myself up because I'm like, I lost my patience with my daughter today. Um, You know, and I got frustrated and, you know, I I just wasn't the best I could be. And so I give myself that F like you're talking about. And when I tell myself I wasn't the best I could be in that moment, when I think about it, like right now in this podcast, I was doing the best I could in that moment Mm -hmm. with all that was going on in the world. And that was stressing me at that moment. That was the best I could have done. But at the end of that day, when I had that moment, when I lost my patience, I didn't tell myself I did the best I could. I told myself that I failed at everything that day. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and so I think we, it's having we, grace with yourself. We, yeah, we have to have B days and C days and some D days. That's okay to have those. Um, and, and it's just magnified. You know, I've spoken, uh, give speeches at BYU several times. Mm-hmm. And compared to other colleges, it's a much bigger problem. Yeah. That's kind of something that we really want to focus on here at the, the Single to Sealed podcast is that we were facing this time when a lot of people um, that we're talking to here on this podcast are putting themselves in this box and these shoes that everybody has to fill the same mm-hmm. way. It's It's when I turned... You know, this age, I have to do this. When I do this, when I go to school, I have to do this. I have to get married in this amount of time. Mm-hmm. If I don't yeah. get married at BYU, I'm not successful. You know, and you take the, was it President Hinckley? It was like, you know, you become a menace to society, you know? <laughs> and it's yeah. like what he's what he's saying, you know, has value. And he's trying to tell you that it's better to get married sooner. But like, I don't think mm-hmm. he's <laughs> really trying to tell you that you're going to completely ruin society if you're not, you know, fitting this box. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that I kind of felt as I was moving through 
school and you know as a as a young adult it's been i'm supposed to do this because everyone else is and i can't be happy and a lot of that has to do with me comparing my life to other people's instead of just living my own it becomes about checking a box instead of actually loving and living the life you're given yeah exactly and it what you find is that leads into another problem that i see with those that i coach and help is i'm going to check off the box of getting married Mm -hmm. so two people that really down deep don't love each other Mm -hmm. they just want to get married yeah and not for the right reasons yeah and there's such a I almost use the word like it's almost an epidemic that at least from the people I deal with that you know they find out well marriage is hard and it's not what I thought it was and I thought it was mm-hmm. just perfect and easy and and they just walk away. Yeah. After yeah, we're never year. gonna fight. We're never gonna argue. Our kids are never gonna get in trouble. Well, yeah. then I feel like you you throw anxiety and depressions and other mental health struggles into that and it just magnifies the already normal issues of marriage right it just makes things harder and so if you're not prepared yourself or your partner for that then it it will make the whole thing feel impossible i think it it gets to well let's give it a try Mm -hmm. let's give it a try and it's not the right attitude for marriage Mm -hmm. you know the advice i got when I found my wife and wanted to get married for my older brother is you two need to decide if you can get to the celestial kingdom together. Mm-hmm. He says, and if you can't, because that's the commitment you make in the temple, he said, then you come home right now and I'll buy you a ticket. Yeah. You need to call it up. That's what you're deciding. Yep. That's what an eternal marriage is. Can we get to the celestial kingdom together, no matter what happens, no matter how hard it is, mm-hmm. that we don't give up? And it makes a big difference. Um, and the right reason to get married, instead of yeah. checking off a box, exactly like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we hope that people understand, you know, where we're going with that concept. We we all know. Mm-hmm that there are circumstances where where divorces are I'm not going to say they're essential but you know they're plausible circumstances cause oh, I, ab- I absolutely yeah. agree yeah, yeah so we I don't want people to, to misunderstand that he's saying you know that you're you, giving up or you're, you're giving up if that happens like there are some people where that makes perfect sense and we're not digging too much into that today yeah. but we just don't want anyone I, to misunderstand no. what's what's being said here yeah no. absolutely that's not what I'm saying no it's just that it takes work and it's, you know, this is the, this is the time I want to get married and I Mm -hmm. want it to be forever. And again, sometimes those things don't work out and people do have to get a divorce and that in a lot of cases seems to be the right thing. Well, and down that same vein of, of relationships and marriage and everything, I mean, our, our podcasts, we're really trying to help those who are trying to find that person to, get to the celestial kingdom with to um be their partner and to fight for for that together that strong marriage um 
And so we have a lot of people that are struggling even getting that first step down and getting that first date and meeting good people. And I mean, one of the questions we had from one of our one of our listeners was, uh, what do they say to people that they're going to go on a date with if they have to cancel due to something caused by an anxiety attack or they're just having a really bad day? Um, their depression is really bad or anything other mental health related, how would they explain that to a potential partner without possibly, in their words, scaring them off? How would you recommend they move forward with something like that? Um, you know, canceling a date because you're having anxiety. Um, I think if you're just in the early stages of dating, mm-hmm. again, because I, I see... Again, trying to check that box. I see yeah. these people that just started dating and they're telling me in my office, well, we want to have, you know, we want to have a relationship. Mm-hmm. And when we add that word to the situation, it just brings on stress and anxiety. Yeah. Because it's happening way too fast. Yeah. Um, so when do we share that? How much do we tell them? Do we tell them the reason why? You yeah. know, I think in dating, I would just tell them I'm not feeling well. Okay. Um, if it gets to a relationship, mm-hmm. it gets to where you're engaged. Yeah, then we need to share everything. Okay. Because it's at a different level. Um, so as for sharing that you're struggling with this, when would you recommend sharing it? When you're getting engaged or would you I think I think when you're getting engaged, unless it comes up. Mm-hmm. Um, if we don't share it at all, and some people don't, yeah, then you're taking a, a really big ticking time bomb into your marriage. Yeah, not saying it can't work. Again, I've been married 37 years. You can imagine it's not all those years have been happy. Mm-hmm. But I told my wife everything when we got engaged. Mm-hmm. I tried my hardest to push her away and it's like, I don't know if you want to marry me. And not everything had been diagnosed at that point. I just knew that I went through some cycles and I wasn't yeah, very happy to, and fun to be around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think once you reach that stage, you have to be willing to take on the other person's, you know, struggles mm-hmm. yeah. and yeah. carry each other's burdens. And you definitely need to know a little bit deeper understanding of, you know, who that person is. I definitely agree that you know, holding off um, until, you know, late stage boyfriend, girlfriend to engagement is a good time mm-hmm. to share that information because up to that point, you don't really owe anyone an explanation, especially no. if, you're, if you're not comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Like at the same time, you could feel, okay, you know what? I want to bring this up. If that's going to help you, I, I would say that that's probably, that's fine. You know, but as far as, you know, the last last chance you have to tell someone i think should definitely be before before engagement before you get engaged. Yeah, right before engagement yeah. yeah when you're getting very serious yeah. um and this the anxiety of that is intense mm-hmm. and i loved you know I, the woman that i was going to marry and this was the one and but you need to remember yeah, it's hard to tell this person you're in love with mm-hmm. that you're not perfect. But you also don't need to remember either are they. Yeah. They're not perfect. Nobody is. Mm-hmm. 
And if this is someone that really loves you and wants to be with you and it's the right person, then things will work out. I think it comes down to you understanding what you can handle. This is coming from like a potential partner side of things. When you're dating someone that has this, you have to ask yourself, is this a struggle or a challenge or even a trial, I guess you could call it, that I am capable of of handling emotionally, right? Is, is this something yeah. that I love this person enough that I am ready to wade through, you know, heavy water to be with them throughout this? Because everyone I feel like can handle different struggles in a relationship. And if, if this is something that you feel like you can handle, then, you know, that's great. I feel like I got to a spot when I was engaged with Jerry, the same thing. You know, we've had our own share. Like, like you said, neither of us is perfect. And I had to do an evaluation of myself and of him and say, is he and his struggles and his good parts, are those all things that I can personally handle as his partner and his eternal companion? Is that something that I can work with him side by side forever and support him through? So. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, marriage is not an easy thing it's an amazing thing it's an amazing thing but uh, it's not easy because the savior has this thing called the refiner's fire yep (laughs) and some people think they only go through it once Mm -hmm. i don't think that's true that we go through some really hard things Mm -hmm. and my wife and i went through a lot of them and suddenly i was fixed and didn't have my mental illness anymore and i had gone through coaching and i was as happy as i'd ever been and found my purpose told my wife that i came home and told my wife all that in the summer of 2014 said i'm as happy as i've ever been in my whole life honey life's going to be amazing Mm -hmm. and 22 days later my son who was on a mission in taiwan died along along with his companion yeah. So there was a new refiner's fire, but God's timing was perfect that I was in the best place I'd ever been in in my whole life to deal with it. Mm-hmm. He put me there to deal with the hardest thing that I have to deal with. Yeah. So we were able to do that as a couple because now we had more motivations to get to this foster home. Exactly. So. Okay, well, for our for our listeners who are in a relationship with someone and they do struggle with these things, how do they communicate um, what they need from their partner in a relationship, support-wise for their struggles and, and what they expect from them to help them through all of this? I think if they're, again, they're at that point where they've, uh, they're engaged, they've talked about it, uh, they're supportive. I think honesty and openness Mm -hmm. is the hardest thing for someone dealing with anxiety and depression to do. Because one of the mechanisms, one of the things people in that state do, and I did it, is we get really good at telling part of the story. Mm -hmm. Or we get, I was really good at lying, I'll just say it. People would ask me at church, how you doing? I'd say, I'm doing amazing. Well, I wasn't doing amazing. You know, I would say, oh, I'm, I'm just great. I'm just great. And I was contemplating taking my life. I was done with mm-hmm. it. But I think openness 
with our spouse or our uh, somebody we're engaged to, it's okay to ask for help. Yeah. I I have so many uh, students that I've talked to in this age group that we're raised in a household where we don't share our problems. Mm-hmm. We don't ask for help. It doesn't leave the walls of this house. And that's not what the Savior taught. Yes. And he taught us to come unto him if we're hurting. To He put people in our lives to help us, to guide us. That Most of the blessings we get in our life are through somebody else. Mm-hmm. He puts people in our lives. He put a life coach in mind. Yeah. He put somebody. So I think it's it's honesty. If it's a relationship, you know, you have to be honest and just go yeah. in without that baggage. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the the joy I get out of working with clients in the stage. I said, this is so cool. You get to fix this when you're 21 years old. Yeah. You get to learn how to deal with it. Um, I think what you can do for your partner also, they need to see you never give up trying to get better. Mm-hmm. If you, my wife and I had lunch this afternoon, I said, tell them some of these questions. I said, what, I said, what was the thing that kept you with me all those years? Yeah. She says, because I never saw you give up. I love that. You always were trying to get better. And as long as you were trying, even if it wasn't working, that's what I needed to see. Even if it's just a little tiny effort, because sometimes it's baby steps. Sometimes we're just trying to get through the next 15 minutes. So you guys were both trying and evenly yoked, right? We were. Pushing forward. Yeah. We were. And, And I think the other thing is and I didn't learn this as soon as I should have Mm -hmm. but my wife had to remind me uh you know what me and the kids are going through a living you know what too sometimes yeah this isn't just all about you and I needed to be aware of what they were going through Mm -hmm. and what challenges it were she will yeah. joke with you or, or even be serious and say, you know, when you were in a mental hospital, I knew you were safe and getting help. And it was like a vacation for us. Oh. We needed a break. Mm-hmm. And you were getting what you needed. Um, and it's kind of a joke, but it was true. Yeah. So we need to understand that this is hard on everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like I I really like the idea of self accountability here that you're talking about. It's I feel like it just with other things that I've dealt with in my life as well. It's really easy to try to make somebody else the reason that you improve. You know, so if I was struggling with something, I might say, you know, Brianna, make sure, for example, I'm not reading the scriptures enough. Like make sure I'm I'm reading the scriptures every night or make sure that I'm praying every night. Like if I'm always relying on her to make me do those things, then you know, I'm not motivating myself enough. Like it's better for your partner for them to see you 
be that self-starter than for them to have to watch on your hand and, you know, on hand and foot to mm-hmm. make sure that you're getting that done. Yeah. Yep. And the goals I had when I was doing good and in a good place, then I tried to be extra good mm-hmm. with compliments and flowers and whatever I had to do to help them. But when mm-hmm. I was doing not so good, I tried to be not as bad. Yeah. So I tried to keep those two closer together. Well, thank you for answering that question. Sure. Another question we have is, how do I make sure I'm ready for a relationship emotionally and that serious commitment despite my struggles? I am. One of the direct questions was, they feel like they're always trying to work on themselves and she feels like she's never done working on herself. So how does she know when she's worked on herself enough that she can be in a relationship? Um, I would go back first off to that perfectionism thing. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes in our life we can get in uh, we can get in getting ready to get ready yeah I'm just getting ready to get ready and we get stuck in that mm-hmm. and when I'm ready it'll happen um, yes we do need to work on ourselves but we don't we need to again realize that the date the person we're going on the date with is not perfect yeah and they have their issues and we need to stop thinking that they are perfect the relationships we see other people have they're not perfect and the marriages we see they're not perfect Mm -hmm. so it's almost a process of i'm working on myself but one of the ways i can work on myself the best is to do the thing that scares me mm-hmm. and it's stepping out and just I, t- I tell this to so many of my clients in this age group just go on dates and have fun yeah don't worry about getting married don't worry about the pressure don't worry about this and that and just go have fun mm-hmm. don't talk about relationships don't again don't check the box the box is to have fun and if it doesn't work out it's okay mm-hmm. you know i if your listeners think of the days they've had and they've had these probably if they deal with some depression or anxiety that they didn't think they were going to be able to get through the day mm-hmm this is the worst day of my life. I don't know if I'm going to make it. And again, that might come up around finals time in college, (laughs) but I'm not going to make it. Well, if they're listening to this podcast, they have a hundred percent success rate getting through the hardest days of their lives. Yep. I love that. (laughs) So are they stronger than they think they are? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. They're so much stronger than they think they are. And the other thing is if you're going on that date and you're nervous and you're anxious, take the Lord with you on the date. Mm-hmm. Pray for that. Pray for him to be there to bless you to have a good time along with the Holy Ghost. Take the yeah. Lord on the date with you. Invite him on the date. That's really great. I, I 
I love that we're focused so much on this um, young group here. And I definitely want anybody else who's listening, you know, whether you're a mid a mid single adult or mm-hmm. an older, you know, single adult now, like this this can apply to to anybody. Yeah. And uh, again, I we just assume most people listening to this, yeah, you know, are young adults. But this this is definitely applying to everybody in their pursuit of happiness, especially as it relates to to relationships. So mm-hmm. I, I really like what we were talking about, how the person you're going on the date with isn't perfect. Um, because I know when I was dating Jerry, and he can probably remember this, when we were getting serious, I I have I had a like a hard family life. My parents got divorced when I was in my teens and I just had, you know, a rough time with all of that. And I would always tell him that I felt like such a burden to him, that he was taking on this burden when he married me. And um, I feel like maybe I can relate a lot to what people with anxiety and depression feel when they have to reveal this to someone they're dating. They feel like a burden to that person because of their anxiety and depression. And if we focus on the fact that nobody's perfect, um, maybe we'll feel a little bit less of that because we'll understand that everyone has their struggles and their trials and the things that aren't so perfect about them. And we're all just trying to do our best. And we're looking for someone who's going to love us in spite of our flaws um, and not just because of the things that are so great about us, um, but they'll also love the things that are not so great about us because they make us who we are. I know yeah. for me personally, some of the things I love most about myself are things that I achieved through the trials that I faced in my life. Um, like my perseverance and the empathy I can have for people that have went through things similar to me are some of the things I love the most about myself. And I know that's because of the hard things I've went through. Um, so there is things to love about people who struggle. There's lots of things to love about people who struggle because that makes us who we are. Like you were talking about the refiner's fire. And, and there's, and we need to remember that as nervous as you are about this date, so is the other person. Yep. As insecure as you are about this date, so is the other person. If you're thinking that he's going to see all my flaws, it's exactly what the other person's thinking. Yep. <laughs> you know what? Exactly. Check the box to just have fun. Yep. That's it. Go have a good time. Do you have anything else that you want to add that you would like our listeners to hear before we close this up? Our, our final conclusions from Greg. Yeah. Just, uh, I know one of the questions we didn't get to, and I'll be really quick, oh. is as a potential partner of someone with these struggles, how do I support them? Mm-hmm. Um, we need to be patient and don't push. Mm-hmm. We need to, the person that's, living with or dating or supporting someone that's dealing with these things. First off, you need to be selfish and take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. To lift somebody up, we need to be on higher ground. My mission president always said, you can't help someone who's fallen through the ice. If you're on thin ice yourself, you have to get yourself safe. Also, you need to take what's me time, whether it's mm-hmm. getting away for a few minutes, whatever it is. Um, you need to read and study as much as you can. When I wrote my book, I wrote it for people that were dealing with depression and anxiety directly. Mm-hmm. But I have received over the years hundreds, if not thousands, of emails and letters and texts from people that are the caregiver. Yeah. Saying thank you because now I know more 
how they think, how they mm-hmm. feel, what they're going through. And it's helped me to understand it. Yeah. And one of the biggest things you can do for them and yourself is put both of your names every Monday morning in the temple. Both of your names. That. Yeah. My best friend, and I never knew this for the last 20 years, came to me when I beat my depression and anxiety and said, I just want you to know that ever since I first understood what you were going through, every week I have put your name in the temple for 20 years. Wow. And I know (laughs) that's one of the things that kept me alive. Mm -hmm. So put your own name in the temple and put their name in the temple. I'm glad that I'm not the only one who does that. (laughs) No. Then you got people praying for you everywhere. Yeah. That's great. I do have one really quick last question. Um, If you have a partner that isn't very understanding about your struggles with anxiety and depression and, you know, say that you're just making it worse by overthinking things or they're not, they're not having that compassion for what you're going through. How do you help them understand a little bit better what's going on? That's a great question. Um, because understand that, yeah, they could be more sympathetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but first off, understand they don't understand. Yeah. My wife has been with me for 37 years. And she will still say, I don't understand. Yeah. I've been around you depressed. I've seen you have tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of panic attacks. I still don't understand a panic attack. Mm-hmm. And she studied and she searched and she's prayed for that guidance, I think that's where the name in the temple, Mm -hmm. and I think when we want to get mad at this person, understanding that they don't understand, if they did, they'd be more sympathetic. We need to pray for them, Mm -hmm. their heart to be open, their eyes to be open, and not do what Satan wants us to do is to get angry and have contention. That's hard to do, especially when you're dealing with those kind of things. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes there were times where my wife got really frustrated because I wasn't very nice. Mm -hmm. But I think it's that commitment you make at marriage. She got asked one day by someone in our high council, well, why do you stay? Why don't you leave him? And she said, he encourages me to leave him sometimes. She said, well, number one, what does that say about me if I do? Mm-hmm. And he's not always going to be like this. Yeah. Either in this life or the next, I get eternity with him and this is going to be gone. Yeah. Now we both got the blessing that it was gone faster. But I think that's where we need to do what the Savior would do and understand that it's hard to understand unless you've been there. Yeah. I do remember there was some quote by an apostle that was something along the lines of, if you could see your eternal companion, 
in all their glory after they've are their resurrected being you would bow down and kiss their feet or the ground they walk upon or something i remember who said it but that's that's what that made me think of is you know you're not going to be struggling with this after this life and you know things will be a, a lot different if you can just make it through make it through this one yeah it's the same concept as our missionary work you mm-hmm. beginning with the end in mind right yeah like you see every potential person as somebody who can come out of the water of baptism mm-hmm. you know and uh being sealed in the temple and so why and, can't why is that applying to you as well yeah yeah and again i i want to clarify that it's somebody you know not being as sympathetic if it's just that then yeah we can work through it together and i yeah. can be the, i can be the mature one i can be the christ-like one and pray for you maybe yeah. they're not returning the favor now, if it's just um, someone you're dating, do you recommend you stay with someone who can't be sympathetic to what you're going through? Is that just something normal that you ex- will experience with someone who doesn't understand? Or should they seek out someone who is more sympathetic to to their struggles? I, I'm going to leave that one up to the Lord answering your prayer on that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I... I Professionally, yeah, I don't think it's going to make for a good situation. Yeah, because when, up, when kids when kids come along, it's going to get more. Yeah, frustrating. Um, I think we need the right person. We don't need the perfect person. Yeah, but I was blessed uh, to find someone that didn't give up. Yeah. She just doesn't give it up. Uh, did she get frustrated? Did she get angry? Did she get disappointed? Absolutely. But she is the greatest blessing in my life. And I'll say for the last eight years, I've been the greatest blessing in her life. That's awesome. I'm probably the whole 37, but not all those have been happy. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we, we thought everything was hard going through this whole depression thing and everything else mm-hmm. and then the refiner's fire came again and it does in marriages and in lives yeah. that we lost the child so i would sorry. go back and i would go back and do all of the sixteen thousand days in a row if i could have my son back i'd do it 10 yeah. times in a row but that could either tear us apart or it could bring us closer together mm-hmm. that's as simple as relationships and marriages are am i going to yep. let this tear us apart or am i going to have this bring us closer together yep and it's a choice it's a choice but yeah it's hard when people don't understand it's hard when uh, there's still this you know attitude out there about mental health mm-hmm. we don't talk about it that's what we need to talk about I've gone from not talking about it to talking to tens of thousands of people a year about it. <laughs> yep. And you're doing your part here with being with us tonight, talking about this with us to get even a little bit more out in the world and make our listeners feel a little bit more supported and understood and yeah, and heard. So we're so grateful that you came on tonight. Really, this was so oh. incredible having you here. We really appreciate I, all of I it. I appreciate you having me. I hope, you know, it helps. Yes, and if and if our followers want to find you, how do they find you, Greg? They Are you can get clients. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, 
they can go to gregthreadgold.com and threadgold does not have an A in it. I wish it did. <laughs> but it's T-H-R-E-D-G-O-L-D, gregthreadgold.com. Perfect. And they can reach out to me there. Um, we'll put that in the show There's a lot of good... A lot of good resources on there, free resources about anxiety and depression and how to deal with them. Sounds great. Thank you, Greg. We appreciate you being on here so much. Uh, by the sound of the cooing in the background, that is our child saying the podcast <laughs> is over. <laughs> our little five-month-old baby's like, I'm over here, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, at least you know who the boss is. Yeah, right. <laughs> but yes, again, thank you very, very much for coming on to this podcast and uh, we really appreciate your time and we also appreciate everyone who tuned in to listen today and we're excited to see you in the next episode if you enjoy single to sealed be sure to invite your friends to help our podcast family grow if you haven't subscribed followed or favorited be sure you do so you don't miss out on any of our great content thank you for joining us today as we help you move one step closer to sealing the deal we'll We'll see see you you next time. time